And hello and welcome everyone to the comic multiverse where the worlds of nerd meet. I am your very, very sunburnt host, Cape Joel. <laughs> and uh, if all went well, when this episode opened up, you, you got a little extra special treat there to commemorate this being our 150th episode. Matt and I figured, hey, what are the only worlds we haven't conquered yet as a podcast? We went from just audio to video and audio uh <laughs> maybe music intro yeah other shows have that let's uh let's do that and uh then in the future let's uh let's make it a live show or something yeah music intro with video oh shit man we're we're in star trek times now <laughs> the future is now and it is us we are all things we are this close to being our own black mirror episode ah they flew too close <laughs> to the sun joel and matt trying to incorporate too many things into their show <laughs> but uh yeah as i mentioned at the top of the show i uh had the very dumb idea to try and get out of the house this week and get some sun because i'm going away on a trip in the next couple of weeks and I didn't want to look like a mayonnaise ghoul as I normally do. And I'm like, oh, this is this is so nice sitting by the pool, being outside. This is great. I'm so comfortable. <sighs> Falls asleep in the Oh, sun. no. <laughs> Wakes up two hours later and I am just scorched all over my body. I don't know if you can tell in this oh, no. light, but it's not enough that I was burnt. I burnt unevenly. Oh, no. Yeah, my, uh, my gut right now looks like a big smiley face because I, like, fell asleep like this, like as I do on planes and buses. So I just I just look like a smiley face. I look like a, like a crazy – like I'm a human hamburger, and those are my scorch lines. <laughs> That's great. That's it really, great. It is, and it was just a moment of like – and this is why you don't go outside, Joel, because the sun burns your pasty form. <laughs> <laughs> return return to the internet <laughs> why don't you and and i knew this was going to happen too because this happens to me every summer i gotta burn a little bit first before i can actually tan like a normal person yeah yeah i'm exactly the same the minute i go out of the sun i just like turn red mm -hmm. and so you know me last night just with the cooling aloe ow 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 <laughs> <laughs> Won't, won't make that mistake, everyone. You see, I got too comfortable. I got too complacent. Never get too complacent, be it on the internet or in real life. Because <laughs> sooner or later, you'll get burnt. And a perfect example of this, and a perfect segue, uh, you know who got complacent? Matt, actually, they didn't, but, you know. Uh, Vertigo. <laughs> Vertigo got complacent. <laughs> they, they got complacent. They thought they would always be here. No, Vertigo didn't get complacent at all, actually. What what happened to Vertigo was a real sad case of corporate fuckery when we yeah. break it down. But yes, if you didn't hear the news this week, DC Comics, Warner Brothers, AT&T, whoever the powers even are at this point, made it official that they are pulling the plug on the Vertigo imprint, one of the most historic imprints for comics that gave us Scalped, Swamp Thing, Fables, Animal Man, uh, all those Neil Gaiman books and everything. Yep, it is It is dead now. Yeah, it's it's really sad as well because this, this, this was basically DC's like original black label. Yes. If you will. Yes, it was. Like it was where all their harder edge books and it's where like I, I, I discovered stuff like Constantine. Yeah. Uh, in, in there and everything and Sandman, stuff like that. And oh, yeah. so to see it, see it go away, to so be around for what, 26 years. Oh yeah. And then just disappear because reasons. Exactly. Reasons. That's the thing. We always say that jokingly, but in this situation, it really is true. Cause it looked like, DC didn't know what to do to with Vertigo for years because they uh, got rid of Karen Berger, 
Then they got rid of her replacement. And then it was just kind of in this weird no man's land for a little bit where I think it was like eight months ago we talked about them uh, being all excited because they're like, oh, we, we got a new rollout of brand new Vertigo books. It's a brand new Vertigo universe. And, uh, oh, hey, what was the first book out of that? Oh, Border Town. We're really excited about Border Town. Oh, the writer <laughs> is a huge sleaze and a massive embarrassment. Fuck. We put so much time and money into that shit. Okay, 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 okay. But you're going to love our next one, though. Second coming from Mark Russell. Oh, he's so funny and he's so, you know, intelligent and such a great satirist. Oh, what's that? Uh, right-wing Christians are boycotting us and getting really pissy at us on Twitter. Oh, no, cancel the whole thing. Make him take it somewhere else. Yeah, and that's that's doing great business for that company he took it to as well. I want to read it even more now because it's got the added caveat of like, ooh, it's the book, you know, the religious fundamentalist didn't want you to read. I'm like, cool, I can get behind that. Which, again, hey, hey, Warner Brothers DC, all you had to do was lean into that and all those sales could have been yours. Which, like, no, we're scared now. Yeah, no, they didn't want, they didn't want free money. You know, DC in general, and again, this this is another thing I read, and actually, and here's two words in a sentence I never thought I would say. Uh, what is it? A, uh, I, I think it was like a, a bleeding cool article that was actually uh, kind of poignant because the person actually seemed to really care about Vertigo, and they're like, the writing's kind of been on the wall for a bit for the company with all these, you know, false starts, all these, you know, shakeups and firings, and also the fact that uh, the way he described it as a more puritanical regime at Warner Brothers in DC right now, which explains, you know, the scuttling of Batman's dong in Batman Damned, you know, the canceling before it even got out the door of Mark Russell's second coming book, and now just like, well, we can't have Vertigo because it's too challenging. Yeah. It's all it's all very strange what they're doing with that because they they did that and I think on the same day they also um, announced like the, their their new that that like young adult line that they've just recently started they like announced like all the books that are coming for that and everything so it's like Ugh. Not very good timing. It's Well, it's confusing, too, because obviously, you know, the powers that be tried to get out there, and they'd be like, no, 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 we're getting rid of the Vertigo name, but the books you can still read, we're just consolidating everything under the DC umbrella now. And they're like, okay, well, what constitutes everything? Is that also Bendis's Wonder Comics? Is that in there, too? You know? Well, DC Black yeah. Label's not going anywhere. You still got books coming up there. Well, you know that. <laughs> and what about all these young adult books and stuff like that? Oh, well, that becomes uh, DC Kids or DC Zoom or whatever. We don't know. What about those new young animal books that are coming out, too? Or one new animal book, which is... Uh, yeah. Doom Patrol. What about that? Is that just coming out? Well, you know, it's, it's a thing. Well, the, see, that's the thing. They could have like just shuttled everything that was under the Vertigo brand into the Black Label brand. That would give it a bit more variety than what it actually is at the moment, Wouldn't and it? actually have content for it coming out at a regular interval, that's not right. having to wait, you know, three months in, until the next book or something. And not just stuff that's all Batman or stuff written by famous Batman writers. Yeah. Exactly. You know what, I think this reeks of a much bigger problem, that is DC doesn't know what to do with any of their imprints. No, no, they have too many. Yeah, they have. They always create, they've got like the normal one, Black Label, Wonder Comics, Zoom. Which, um, which some of those are gone now, some of those aren't. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait and see now what actually survived the culling here, but the way... The article I read said that there's going to be three tiers now of DC books. DC Kids... Mm-hmm 
which is obviously yep. like all the six and up stuff regular dc which is like what you read week to week on the shelves and then black label which is all the adult stuff but black label which currently is only like two books yeah it, mm. i, I don't old understand books it. that were fine and were for all ages but have now been put into black label yeah yeah slapped with the black label logo so they can sell this is a new edition it's not really it's just a new logo it's just it's just a mess everything about this makes me unhappy everything about it is just a mess it makes me happy that like marvel don't do that they just have marvel comics that that's all they don't have like a younger young adult one or like they they don't have like max anymore or anything yeah it's it's all marvel comics one time we yeah. had ultimate comics but then we got yeah. rid of ultimate comics but ultimate comics had a really good run <laughs> But yeah, and that was just one extra brand. It wasn't branching out into like young adults. And this one's like for people who want to be creative, but can only be creative with, you know, Iron Man. We, uh, you know? we also just didn't give every like celebrity writer their own imprint to appease them. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sorry, but come on. Wonder Comics, Young Animal. That's what it was. Ooh, you're a celebrity in something else. Here's a whole Jinx. yeah. Here's a whole imprint just for you to do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, because we want to keep you happy and keep you sweet and keep you writing for us and everything. But then they even go and throw that out the window. It's like, oh well, Grant Morrison says he wants to write something in the main continuity. Will he pay attention to modern continuity? No, not really. He'll just do whatever he wants. Shouldn't that be a black label book instead? It should be, but it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see the problem here, yes. And what about DCC's Tom Taylor? He's really great, isn't he? Oh, he's wonderful. He wrote those digital books everyone loved. Hey, you know, this story's kind of dark and sort of horrific. Uh, shouldn't it be Black Label? It should be, but it won't be. Yeah, it, it won't be. And we'll, we'll get to Black Label because we've got a Black Label book to talk about. And I, I, there's like a couple of things I want to talk to you about it oh, and see what your thoughts are. This is another perfect segue. Speaking of celebrity writers and now moving over to Marvel, uh, we had reported uh, last week that we assumed with all the cryptic artwork that Alex Ross was putting out there that they were going to be doing some kind of uh, like comic continuation of the Sam Raimi movies because they were doing this thing where it's like, ooh, four and a web. Ooh, is this the fourth thing? Then the next day it was a three and a web, then a two and a one. <laughs> And it was eventually announced that, no, actually, it's not a continuation of the Raimi movies. Instead, it's a brand new Spider-Man book to be penned by famous director and mystery box enthusiast J.J. Abrams and his kid. Yeah, and his kid with artist Sarah P Picelli. Who is wonderful. Who did, who did Superior Iron Man. And, uh, and the Miles Morales books in the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. She, she's great. And a nice lady, if you ever meet her at cons. She, uh, she'll talk to you. She's just the sweetest thing. But uh, yeah, J.J. Abrams and his kid writing a comic. I, I wish my daddy was big in Hollywood and I could write a Spider-Man book whenever i wanted to but no my daddy does drywall and taping and the most he ever got me was office supplies that we took from places that didn't need them anymore it, it, it is funny that that it comes after he, he just like his company just sealed a deal with warner brothers and stuff like that so it's an, and now he's like writing a marvel comic which is owned by disney like i think that's pretty funny what what big dick energy on you jj abrams <laughs> i can do whatever i want i am the abrams lens flare yeah, hey if this means like if if he's pr uh pretty good at it and uh the book sells really well hopefully we'll get other books uh, not just from marvel but maybe some dc stuff from him as well this this used to be way more common of course i'm reminded of when kevin smith 
at the zenith of his fame, wrote some Daredevil and wrote some Green Arrow and everything. This <laughs> used to be pretty common for people in the realm of movies and other things to come and write comic books. I guess it still happens. Uh, the Soka sisters, of course, uh, Canada's favorite horror twins, uh, wrote that Black Widow book for a bit, but, you know, they're they're not J.J. Abrams level. I love them to death and they're local treasures, but they're not like, oh, God, J.J. Abrams, I know that. It's it's funny, too, even this countdown he mystery boxed us, he fucking Cloverfielded us with it. <laughs> We, we all wanted to see what it was about, and we all thought it was the movie, and then it wasn't, and then we're like, well, this is okay, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. He says he's introducing a new villain. I, I didn't catch the name of the villain. He did say it, but I couldn't didn't know what it was. I don't remember either. All I just all, all I read it was, you know, J.J. Uh, Abrams and his kid. I'm like, okay, I mean, I guess it's a take-your-son-to-work day. That's all right. That's okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see who does most of the writing. It will Whether be. JJ is just on there just for name recognition. That's true, yeah, where it's like, who actually does most of the writing on this one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's an interesting story. I'll definitely review issue one, although I definitely feel we're at the point now where it's like, are there are there too many Spider-Man books? We got Amazing, Friendly Neighborhood, Superior, mm. Miles' book, the Ghost Spider book that's coming out, this. Yes, yeah, Symbiote Spider-Man. Spider-Man Through the, the Years by Chip Zdarsky. That's right. So that's like seven, eight books. Yes, it's ri rivaling X-Men level. That's quite a lot of Spider-Man books. Heck, he's even got tie-ins for War of Realms going on right now. Now... Yeah. Now, in the defense of all these books, most of them have been really good. Yeah, they have. They have. I'm just saying that's a lot of Spider-Man. I mean, I guess there's a Spider-Man for every taste out there, but still, man, that's a lot of Spider-Man. At some point, you got to figure, are you, are you spreading yourself a little too thin? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's just classic marketing, though, right there, where it's like, will there ever be a perfect Spider-Man book that will please everyone? Maybe not, but there can be perfect Spider-Man books, plural, a book for everybody and a book for every taste. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the Abrams story, everyone. We'll be sure to follow this one closer as it develops. And uh, speaking of the overlap between uh, superheroes and Hollywood, hot damn, Matt, we were just segueing the fuck all over the place this week. <laughs> this is the most segues we've ever done, I think. Bring, bring us your crowns, for we are the Segway Kings. <laughs> we sit on a throne of skulls close to the blood fountain. <laughs> I don't know why the Segway Kings are also Barbarian Kings, but it's just it's just the way it is. And hand in hand, you know. <laughs> Gotta go that way. But uh, yes, on to the actual news here and not just me goofing. Uh, Batman, for the first time ever, will be getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's not to be confused with actors who have played Batman who have had stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. This is Batman the character. Yeah, I, and I'm surprised it took this long. Me too. Well, here's the thing about that. So when you get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, they make it sound like they're giving it to you for a lifetime of achievement. That's not really true. They're giving nah. you the option to buy a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for about $30,000 American or about one Brian Michael Bendis comic. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know... I guess if DC and Warner Brothers had some spare change sitting around and they're like, ah, this will be this will be good for our brand. This will be good for the optics to have Batman have a star on the Walk of Fame. Yeah, this will take this will this will take uh, 
notice off uh, Batman issue 73. This is the take notice off of that. Yeah, they uh, they needed some good positive uplifting news. My thing for when you get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame is I would ask, okay, who am I next to though? Who who will I be next yeah. to forever? Yeah, where on the street am I? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you know, a certain American president right now has a star on the Walk of Fame that goes endlessly defaced for obvious reasons. I would not want to be next to that star because I feel like some of the paint and feces might get onto my star, and I wouldn't want that. <laughs> she should be be like Muhammad Ali, who's the only person who has the uh, Hollywood uh, star on a wall That's in. In a in the stadium where he fought, uh, what's his name? Joe Frazier. Uh, yeah. See, he did it right there. Muhammad Ali was thinking <laughs> on that one. That's that's how you do it. Yes, I will take the star, but let me put it somewhere else. Yeah, he didn't want anyone walking over him. No, I think too the way they they get you with that is that you pay the thirty thousand dollars for it. And if I'm not mistaken, and I could very well be talking out my ass on that this one. I think they also get you for upkeep on the star, too. Like, you have to pay to maintain it. <laughs> of course. Of course. So it's actually like a very ingenious Hollywood Tinseltown shakedown operation. Because <laughs> you have to imagine some guy, like, you know, if, if MC Hammer got a star on the Walk of Fame, it's like, oh, yeah, $30,000, whatever, I'm spending freely. Oh, God, I don't have money anymore. What am I going to do to upkeep the star? Am I going to have to go out there with the Windex and the paper towels to clean it up? <laughs> I'm pretty sure MC Hammer does not have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Could be wrong, though. I don't know. Yeah. They seem to give them out to just anybody. They do. And now Batman will be that anybody. Yeah, so who will be coming to accept it and give the speech? A very good question, yeah, because so many actors have played him over the years. So many actors have voiced him. Are they going to get just like Jim Lee to do it? You know, who who are they going to get? Are they going to make a big deal about it? Yeah. Get Denny O'Neill to do it. Everyone loves and respects Denny O'Neill. Get him to do it. Yeah, he's a nice man. He is, absolutely. Also, all I can think to is Batman getting a star on the Walk of Fame. Please tell me that star is in like a creepy, dimly lit alley. <laughs> oh, you, you know, someone's going to come by and just scatter pearls across it or something exactly who's going to be the first one to scatter murder pearls? someone on it or something or to every year leave a solitary red rose there <laughs> and look angrily up at the night sky Why? <laughs> i'm gonna be that guy you know if i ever end up going to hollywood and god willing one day i will either for comic-con or you know a holiday or something i want to be that guy i want to get a single red rose and leave that on the batman <laughs> Uh, next year in Hollywood, Matt, for a, for a live comic multiverse, we'll just, we'll do all that stupid shit. <laughs> what, what, what other things can we do in Hollywood? What other trouble can we get up to? Oh, we can get up to all sorts of trouble there. We could, we could go to Planet Hollywood and be like, yes, I would like to meet Mr. Hollywood, please, for whom the restaurant <laughs> is named. <laughs> I want one of those fancy crew jackets. Exactly. Oh, man, dude, I'm sure you hang out in Hollywood enough. I'm sure you can. Oh, imagine how great the pawn shops in Hollywood must be. Oh, they'd be really great. Uh, I will take one golden uh, one golden record, uh, one daytime Emmy, and uh, <laughs> what, what, what else do you got there? You got any uh, adult film awards back there? Oh, we have several Woodies. <laughs> yes, we have too many. There you go. They're on clearance in that bin. <laughs> yeah, just, just look whatever is in the bin. Just can take it. Okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, miscellaneous awards bin. Oh, you, we joke, but that's gotta be a thing. How many hard-up celebrities sold their awards for drugs and shit? 
<laughs> get get some Super Bowl rings in there. <laughs> but don't get OJ Super Bowl ring though. <laughs> He'll come for you. He will come for you. He's on Twitter now. He is, which means OJ is watching all the time. <laughs> Man, I, again, I, I was not brave enough to follow OJ, as I mentioned last week, but I hope I hope he gets Instagram next, and it's like, oh, here's what I ate today. And I'm like, man, I really want to know what OJ's eating. See, that's the thing. Twitter OJ, a little too much for me. Instagram OJ, definitely. <laughs> Post-murder feast. <laughs> I just, I, I want his, like, feed to be super wholesome, where it's like, oh, here's a dog I pet today. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Here I am, feeding the ducks in the park, nothing murderous about me. <laughs> now, if I did it, by which I mean get some ice cream, I would get mint chip. Just, that's all of his pose. <laughs> Boy, I really killed today at the Putt-Putt Golf Course. <laughs> Man, I'm such a murderer when I killed my friend in Mortal Kombat. I killed the shit out of him. Boy, I was so good. Hey, look, here I am, here I am with Kato Kalin again. Yes, he's living in my pool house. Again. You didn't think he would, but apparently he's hard up for places to stay. Oh, that's what we gotta do, Matt, if we go to Hollywood. We gotta get Kato Kalin to come and talk to us. Apparently you can just book him whenever. Oh, yeah, it would surprise me. Is he on Cameo? Apparently everyone is on Cameo now. <laughs> hey, Rob Liefeld is. We can book him. <laughs> I saw he was on there. You know what? I should Cameo Rob Liefeld and be like, Hey, Joel, sorry I bumped into you at New York Comic Con and never said sorry. <laughs> that actually happened. He bumped me. And I'm like, hey, man. And we had a moment of like, do I know you? And he's like, I don't know. Do I know you? Because like, I had reviewed one of his books and gave it a shitty score because, of course, I did. <laughs> and we had a moment of like, do I know it? Do I like you? I don't know. Do I know you? And then like his wife tapped him and said, hey, let's get the hell out of here. That was the moment he came up with Major X. <laughs> At that very moment. Just to spite me. <laughs> that's, that's official canon now. That's real. You got to go to the Wikipedia page and you got to say, he came up with this. Cape Joel is the basis for Major X. <laughs> he wears a red shirt just like he does. You can't, you, you can't say that's not true. That's true. Put that on the TV Tros page. Then make a comic multiverse TV Tros page while you're at it, everyone. Matt, <laughs> Matt and I legally can't do it. You fans have to do it and populate the things. <laughs> I figure after 150 uh, episodes, Matt, we deserve it. We do. Can you believe that, Matt? We've done this show for 150 episodes. There's almost as many episodes of this show as there are original Pokemon. Wow. Wow. And then you think, like, we did this show for, like, another 150 episodes under a different name at Name Redacted. So, like, this has been, like, four years of our life altogether. And we rarely ever yeah. missed a show. No, very rarely. If we have, if we have we've, we've made up for it yeah, with something. We've had good reason. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so, believe it or not, we actually have more news. That was a, that was a good rant. That was a good tangent. <laughs> but, uh, so, Ray Winston has apparently been cast in Black Widow. No one knows what he's playing yet, though. He's playing the Black Widow. <laughs> <laughs> Swerve. You expected a lady, but it's actually Ray Winston. Yeah, in, tight in the cat hair. suit. <laughs> he went on the all bean diet to get in there. He went on that Hollyberry Catwoman diet. <laughs> Which, man, you know, that's, that's brave. And you got to respect a man of his age to slip into that much black spandex. <laughs> good, good on him. I, I'll even call it hashtag brave. 
Yeah, it's, it's so brave. Hashtag brave. Very much. It's interesting how they're taking this new Black Widow. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird new direction, but I guess, you know, after Endgame, they really do have to, you know, kind of, you know, <laughs> blow up the concept and really blow people's minds, where it's like, yo, I went in there assuming it to be the actress lady from all the other movies, but no, it was actually <laughs> Ray Winston. <laughs> it, it was a middle-aged British man. It's the damnedest thing. What's even funnier is that uh, Johansson was in the movie, too, actually, but playing a completely different character. <laughs> she was playing Ray Winston's character. She, again, they just switched scripts, and no one told them to switch back. <laughs> it was the damnedest thing. <laughs> I was fine with it, though. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I'm assuming you cast Ray Winston. He's got to be a villain of some variety. Yeah, a gangster or some double agent guy thing. It's his yeah. wheelhouse. I'm going to guess he's like the male dude running the Red Room experiments. Yeah, or like yeah, like an agent who knows of the information about the Red Room or something. Something like that. But uh, yeah, interesting casting news for that one. And apparently yeah. Marvel casting news was all over the place this week because we also uh, had word that apparently Marvel has been uh, courting or chasing, or stalking, however you want to put it. Keanu Reeves for a while now for a role in anything. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. He's, he's coming back at the moment. He's like the hottest commodity in Hollywood yeah. right now. I don't I don't yeah. know what you would want him to play. A lot of people are like, oh, he should be Adam Warlock. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say Silver Surfer, but Ooh, I, 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 I went like, like out of there and went like, Customers J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, a young J. Well, I guess he's not that well, young. As well as it's like completely opposite of his character, his like personality as well. Because he's normally so chill and so easygoing. What if he played the ultimate tight ass, you know, completely, you know, angry, blowing a blood vessel all the time? Yeah, let's see Keanu when he gets angry. I, another one I, I, I said is like he really loves motorbikes and loves driving them. Customers Johnny Blaze. That's fine too. Whoa, I'm the an old Johnny Blaze. I'm the spirit of vengeance. Whoa. <laughs> what am I gonna do about this spirit? Although I guess he was kind of the spirit of vengeance in John Wick, wasn't he? Kinda, yeah. I I do like him as the Silver Surfer though, because he does even like when he's trying to play human, he has this cold, inhuman affect that would actually work <laughs> really well. For yeah. the Silver Surf, it's like, I've done everything I can to try and save your world. Galactus's will is fine. Oh, he kind of played Silver Surfer in that Day the Earth Stood Still remake. That's right, he was clerked. Which was directed by Doctor Strange director Scott Derrickson. All right, then. There you go. I, I like it. Keanu Reeves for Silver Surfer. We're starting that rumor here and now. <laughs> it's already started. Actually, is, is he young enough? Because I think I saw this, too. Or is he old enough? You know, put a little gray in his hair. Could he be Reed Richards? I could. I could. I'd, I'd actually love to see that. Yeah, put a little gray in his hair because again, I think he could bring something to the Reed Richards character. You know, he's absent-minded because he's so interested in science and everything that he ignores his family because mm -hmm. he's so laser-focused. Yeah, I think you could build an interesting cast around that. Actually, you know, get an interesting female counterpart for him to bounce off of, uh, and then you know, you just gotta cast the thing in the Human Torch. Yeah, that would actually be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm all and right. He, he, he rocks the beard very well as well. He can wear a beard, so we'll finally have Beardy Reed Richards. Where where did those <laughs> other Fantastic Four movies go wrong? No beard on Reed Richards. Yeah, th that's why they failed. That's, that's why they failed. 
People want a beardy Reed Richards just like they Kevin want. Feige even said that. They, they failed because they didn't have the beard. <laughs> just like people want a storm with a mohawk, people want a Reed Richards with a beard. <laughs> a great big bushy beard. <laughs> All right, there you go, Matt. We fixed it. We cast him for Marvel. We'll expect our there we go. in the mail. Yeah, royalties, please. Royalties, please, because, of course, every person who talks about comics online are paid off by uh, Marvel and Disney. So, you know, we'll we'll expect yeah. our checks in the mail, please. Yes. You know, if, if, if the bribery check is late this month again, oh, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I'm only going to give that movie a nine out of ten. Yeah, that'll, that, that'll show you I play hardball. I'm very upset because I didn't get invited to Galaxy's Edge when everyone else did. <laughs> Man, I'm, sh I'm sure you've seen that viral clip going yes. around. Yes, and I, and I saw Rich Evans react to it as well. Pretty solid, because literally it's like, oh, so everything you guys do in that, like, nerd crew bit is, like, very, very accurate. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they proved that... It it, what's even funny is that it, it wasn't Red Letter Media who proved it. It was the people who were there were parodying proving it. To yes. them. <laughs> Which, man, here's like I've mentioned it before. I can't actually watch those Nerd Crew videos from Red Letter Media. Cause they're, they're too real. They're too real and too accurate, and like it actually kind of hurts how accurate they are. Yeah. Oh, it does. It totally does. <laughs> and like, I'll admit it, like, one of the dirty secrets of if you want to be a YouTuber, if you want to work online, you kind of got to play ball, and you kind of got to do that sometimes, and you might not like it, but maybe you got a bill to pay. Maybe you want to make some good inroads with people, but man... When you make it that obvious and just being like, yep, this is this is what it is. I'm just like, oh, it hurts my soul. Yep, yep. Like, I'm more uncomfortable watching this than I am watching any horror movie. Because <laughs> it's like, hey, man, this is your business. This is the job you do. <laughs> Which, hey, speaking of other YouTubers and other uh, content creators, uh, what is it, Acting Badly? Who, uh, Who's the woman who was making the rounds this week because she was saying that uh, Toy Story was, uh, what is it, socialist oh, propaganda? Yeah, uh, fuck, what's her name? Uh, fucking Grace Randolph. Grace Randolph. Here's the thing, I can remember for years, like the first time I saw her was on Spill back when Spill was a thing and back when they were like at the same thing. And I'm like, man, you know, people give this Grace Randolph lady a hard time. You know, it must be rough being a woman content creator on YouTube. And then in the last couple of years, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, you suck, though. Oh, okay. Oh, it's fine to not like you because you genuinely suck. And now you're trying to dog whistle all the worst kind of people to keep yourself relevant. All right, then. I'm glad I know. Yeah, she also hates Marvel, even though she worked for it. It's obvious that she got you know, let go from them, and so she's kind of pissed at that. Yeah. We rarely talk about other content creators, but I thought that made a nice little, uh, what is it, circle of like, man, I'm glad I'm not that. If I start doing that, someone please tell me. <laughs> yes, yes, take take the internet from me. Please take my internet away. Please give me a firm <laughs> kick in the ass. I, I, I have this deal set up with a few other content creators who I like and respect. I'm like, hey, if I ever start acting like this, please, please tell me. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I think we can also attest, Matt, other YouTubers and other content creators, they, they reach a certain point and a certain level of fame where they just completely break with reality. 
Oh yeah, yeah. They they bring out the "Do you know who I am?" lines at places and stuff like that. <laughs> it's it's way too common. And tell you what, uh, if if you like this conversation, you like this little uh, insight into the world of YouTube and content creation and being an internet personality, you should check out my panel coming this July sixth at the Geektopia Con in Vancouver, where I will be <laughs> dishing on all the secrets of YouTube. And yes, I will film it. So if you can't actually make it there, you can see it. But I'd love it if you would be there. That'd be awesome. Tickets are still available. And <laughs> see, again, now I bring it full. There's story. so many tickets. <laughs> so, so many tickets for my panel. It's 3.30. I don't want to perform to an empty room. <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, actually, a big shout-out to our friend Jonathan out there. He'll know who he is. He's uh, he's from there, and he did say that he did buy a ticket. He will be there. I'm like, thank you, Jonathan, if nothing else. If it's... Nice. You should, you should try and get in contact with Bethesda and see if you can hire their crowds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do good work, don't they? Yeah, they'll, they'll, you'll, like, come out of the stage and they'll just be, like, people Ooh. just cheering and shouting. It's like, i got to go, people. <laughs> see, 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 the trick is I also need to ply them with booze a little bit for, like, the first couple <laughs> hours and also tell yeah. them they have to do it. Yeah, they'll get free loot boxes or something i don't know or something i don't know boy that uh th like that only got worse as time went on like when you could actually see the conference from other angles where it's like man they really they really went out of their way to try and cover their asses on this Mm-hmm. e3's just changed so much now that they've opened it to the public and everything and now that sony's not showing up i i think this might be the beginning of the end for e3 this show this year yeah i think it is Everyone's just going to start dumping everything online. Dumping it online. Do their live streams. They it cost less. It does. Like, again, from a business standpoint, makes sense. You might as well do it. Nintendo had the right idea. Just friggin' do directs. Yeah. Do direct. Beam it right to my console and be like, all right, here's uh, here's what we want you to buy. Yeah. Buy the things. Buy, buy all the things. <laughs> and uh, with that, everyone, we can actually hop into what we read this week. Yeah. What, uh, what did I read this week? Let me get my list up. I, uh, I actually managed to cover a lot of things. I might actually finish my pile this week. Then someone said, hey, Jill, you missed, uh, you missed Venom from last week. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I am so happy. I, I finished my reviews on all of my back, back issues of Star Wars. So, like, they're, like, all done. So, like, I'm moving on to, like, my Marvel and DC stuff now. <laughs> yeah, here's... Here's hoping next week isn't too big, because again, as I said, I'm going away and I don't want to have a lot to have to catch it's, up on. It's meh. I've already looked at what's coming next week. There's a lot of series that are like ending, so that's good. War of Realms is ending, so there you go. Yeah. Which we might have a little bit of respite until Absolute Carnage starts <laughs> and we get to do oh, this God. dance all over again. No, then DC start up there like do more stuff. <laughs> right, of course. Is that what they're actually calling it now? Is that actually being a full thing? I think Justice League parentheses do more. I think is is that going to be an event or is that just going to be a thing in the Justice League book? I'm pretty sure it's. An, I think I think it's one of those things where it's like you can read these books, but you don't have to. But then like you're probably gonna have to because it's getting confusing with DC because it's like all right, here's you know year month day of the villain. Yeah. And like, is this an event? No, but it's a bunch of tie-ins spinning out of Justice League. Oh, okay, do I need to read these to know what's going on in Justice League? Probably not, but... Yeah, but if you want the full story, you have to kind of read them. It's like, but there's so many of them. Yeah, also it's taking over everything for the next couple of months, so you're going to have yeah. to read it anyway. Yeah. Even stories that surprises you that it's taking over, where it's like, really? Okay. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, so yeah, let's talk about what we read this week, Matt. Everyone, it was a, it was a big week. It was. Let's start with Batman issue seventy three. So I've been through the desert on a horse with no day. It sure did feel good to get out of the rain. In the desert, Batman can't remember your name. Boy, I went a long way to make that Tom Petty joke. <laughs> Although, but it, it, it's so true, though. <laughs> kind of fitting, because Thomas Wayne sings for like 65% of this book. This is, this is like, I want to say the fourth or fifth time this has happened during Tom King's run, where he has a character for a whole issue... Uh, recite a poem, recite like a quote or like a song yep. and think it's in, intelligent, or, you know, insightful, even if it doesn't make any sense with the actual, what, what actually is happening in the book. It's like, ah, yes, you know, the Iliad. Ah, yes, Yeats. What does he mean by this? What is the reference? Ah, this old uh, Russian fairy tale here. It's like, he just sings home on the range. Home on the range yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it tangentially ties into home, which is kind of where Thomas Wayne wants to go or wants to create again, but you're kind of stretching here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, and then you then you get like the idea of like, oh, Home on the Range, that's kind of like, you know, the Western song. It's like, oh, they're in a desert that he thinks these things tie together and somehow. He's, and he's riding a horse, even though it's like, shouldn't he be riding a camel yeah. through the desert, not a horse? Yeah, well, we had this with the other arc where they went through the desert with Batman and Catwoman. They weren't riding horse; they were riding horses. And camels are hard to draw. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a horse. <laughs> but yeah, so after Batman got beaten up by Bane in the previous issue, but we thought Batman only imagined getting beaten up by Bane because all of his sidekicks and Alfred said he was going crazy, and none of that really happened. But clearly, it did happen because he's here now with his dad. Yeah, who is? going against Bane helping Batman now or maybe he's not we don't know yeah or maybe this that was his whole plan to go against Bane and get his son and then this might be a dream as well yeah because everything feels like it could be a dream now in this book oh god uh, and yeah they, they, they go through the desert and he fights and inches uh, uh, Ra's al Ghul is now alive in this book because I'm sure Someone told Tom King he's alive now, um, and they have to get to the the Nain Pit, which they talk about in like the weirdest sentences. They really do a a brand new style of pit that uh, Tom King has pulled out of his ass for this story. Used to be yep. you just had the Lazarus Pit, and the Lazarus Pit had rules mm -hmm. that every comic yep. fan knew, and every writer you know uh, was sure to stick to those rules. But now we have the name pit, a brand new pit that we have invented with no rules where we can do whatever the hell we want. Well, well the thing is, we haven't got the rules yet, and we probably won't because this is Tom King. Well, we, he, he doesn't give rules for anything. Well, again, I'm going to assume that we create a brand new pit so we don't have to follow the rules of the old pit. Yeah, it'll be a pit that has the opposite rules of the Lazarus pit, so, like, anything can work in it, and it's, it doesn't make people insane or something. It's, or... it's a super pit. It can also resurrect you if you're a skeleton, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, this is really because, as we learn, he's been carting this coffin behind the horse as well, and, and Bruce learns that it's his mother, mm -hmm. Martha Wayne. But which which one is – it's not – Flashpoint Martha, it's not the Joker. Because that it, universe it, got destroyed. Yeah, and he didn't pull any coffin or anything through the... However he survived. That, that we so know it, of. So it has to be... To, uh, like, 
Bruce's Bruce's Martha, which would mean yes, yeah, she's just like bone, bone, not even bones, probably like just dust. Yeah, who's been dead for decades. Furthermore, Thomas wants to resurrect her. Uh, hey, Tommy, let me let me tell you this. Uh, if you resurrected her, she wouldn't fucking know who you are because you're like two decades older than her at this point, and a crazy weirdo murderer. This plan is not going to work how you think it's going to. No, no. And again, this plan is like, like. So this, this is what's going to get Batman to stop being Batman. Yes. Like, why wasn't this the plan from the beginning? By rebuilding you a new happy family, and Batman is totally cool with this, by the way. Oh yeah, I, I, I think I called that as well, like a couple of episodes ago on this. I, I think when we were talking about that big thing that Tom King wants to bring back, mm. or like change in Batman, I said he's going to bring back the family. I he's, think he's doing that. He's doing that. Furthermore, I think we said, for what reason would you bring back Batman's family? That seems, like, completely reductive. Well, unless Bane wants him to bring back his family so he can murder them again in front of him. Mm. Yeah, oh, oh, he'll murder them again, and then we'll get some line about how Bane was actually behind the original murder or something. I bet you $5, $5 right here, right now, 5 uh, friggin' comic multiverse fun box that that's what's gonna happen. Bane was like, aha, and this was part of my plan all along. This is why I was working with Thomas because I knew he would resurrect your mother using this brand new pit that was just concocted and by doing so I could kill them in front of you and beat you fully completely because I am Bane and behind everything. Yeah, yeah, he, or he, Bane's in the coffin. <laughs> oh, Bane pops up. <laughs> Boo, it's me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I we get the... Like we get, we get glossed over the fact as well that, like, like the last issue we saw Batman get his back broken again by Bane, and we get glossed over the fact that, like, oh, Bruce just got, like, healed in, like, a couple of days, even though, like, when that first happened to Bruce, he was, like, out of action for, like, months. Well, his father is a doctor, and he did say, you'll heal, son. You'll heal. Oh, that makes it all better. Naturally. That makes it all better. That makes it, he's a super spinal surgeon as well as being like a super <laughs> cool Batman. What what annoyed me about this too, on top of all the you know regular stuff that annoyed me, is that it rubbed up against an interesting idea for a second when Thomas is fighting the ninjas and he's like, oh, I'm Batman now. And I'm like, oh, okay. He came to this world to take you know the weight off his sign. You know, I'll be Batman because I'm old and I'm going to die anyway. And because Tom King has basically already said that being Batman is tantamount to you know being suicidal, so we'll just let his yeah. old dad do it anyway. But no, Bruce puts his mask on anyway at the end, and now we have two Batman. That that will really confuse because like up until this point, we we've heard from like uh, Bane and everything, and Thomas say like like he wants his son to stop being Batman. Like he do, he hates that his son is Batman for some reason, even though that's not how it was in the button and everything. And, um, and he brought his mask with him though. Yeah, he brought his mask and allows his son to like put it on and be Batman. I'm like, why? Like you want him to stop being it, but you let him do that. Does Tom King forget what he wrote five seconds ago? Yes. Does, does he have like yes. a goldfish attention span? Yes, I know he does. Like, like, I don't think, like, this is, a, like, too much of, like, a complaint to be like, but you said this not five minutes ago. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and it would be one thing where it's like, oh, but Thomas Wayne contradicts himself. He's a hypocrite. Yeah, but everyone contradicts themselves and is a hypocrite in this book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's life, isn't it? Everyone contradicts themselves and everyone's a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah, I could understand if you was writing Thomas Wayne as, like, a crazy person who's, who never makes any sense, like... I'd be like, okay, that kind of makes sense with all the shit he's been through. He would be a little bit loopy, like, 
with everything he's had to deal with and everything, but it's not like that. Everyone is written like that. Everyone is written like a crazy person. Everyone is an unreliable narrator, and everyone's motivation is incredibly inconsistent moment to moment. Yeah. But what else is new? Yeah, what, what else is new? We've got, like, two more issues until, like, the big, that big issue 75 that keeps being hyped up, which is probably not going to be anything, because... Was it that issue that got rewritten, or was it the issue before? I don't know. Also, too, because nothing that was supposed to be big in this series has actually been big or important. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that's big is the ego of the person talking about it. <laughs> also, too, for it's like, okay, so we know you had to wrap this up. We know you're done at issue 85. Why was this issue so damn slow and meandering and basically getting people caught up? I think 73 issues in, you're in or you're not at this point. Well, that's the thing. Like every couple of issues, that there has to be an issue like this where they catch people up. And I'm like, why? Yeah. If if you if you're 73 issues in, someone's not just going to jump on and be like, okay, where's the book at now? Yep, it's uh, it's the damnedest thing. Yeah, it's so strange. Uh, all right, moving on from there. What to, what else would you like to talk about, Matt? I'll let you steer the conversation. This um, week. what what did we what did we have from from Marvel this week. I, I don't I haven't really read a lot of Marvel this week. We had we had Captain America issue eleven. We did, which was not honestly a lot to talk about. It was an action centric issue. No. Uh, Captain yeah. America escapes the prison. Um, mm-hmm. We get to see the Americops come back, which I just love yeah. to say the word Americop. Yeah, it, it's a fun word. It's very fun, and uh, Captain America gets his heart broken a little bit because he kind of turns all the prisoners into an army to, you know, fight injustice and escape, even though he realizes it's like me fighting alongside all these costumed criminals. This is kind of like America teaming up with the Soviets in World War II. Yeah. But, but hey, fight fight with the army you have, not the army you want. And then in the end, he gets betrayed and he's like, oh, I'm kind of sad now. <laughs> yeah, curse your sudden and inevitable betrayal. That's literally what it was. <laughs> And then, you know, he gets picked up by the Daughters of Liberty, and it's like, okay, cool. So, you know, that's he, he's free, but now he'll have to run even harder now because he's a fugitive from justice now. Yeah, and I, I saw, like, some um, upcoming covers. It looks like he goes back to, like, that stealth suit. I saw that, yeah. That's a nice which, looks, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been, like, a really cool book, and I like that, like, I, I get, I'm sure you do as well. I get comments on my reviews of it. There is like, this book was too slow. Where's my Captain America? And I'm like, he's right there. He's doing what Captain America should do. It's so true. Just like political thriller stuff. It's also like, yeah, the like every other issue in this arc so far was talky and deliberately paced and yep. setting up everything. This this was your big action payoff. This is how Ta-Nehisi yeah. Coates writes, you know, talky, 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 issue of nothing but nonstop action. Yeah, and it, it works so well with this character. Yeah. I, I really like what he's doing with it, and I think uh, the powers that be like it too, and uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. What what shocks me about it, I don't know if you get this, I'm sure you do, is every issue where the Daughters of Liberty show up, I am forever forced to explain American history to Americans as a Canadian. Yes. But like, was this yes. a team before? Where does this team come from? Why is there no men on this team? It's a reference to the Sons of Liberty from American history. Why do I have to tell you this? <laughs> yeah, I'm not even living in your country. Did, did the Sons of Liberty have female members? No, I guess that's why they flipped it. Isn't it a fun play on words? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> that's that, that's not fair, Matt. The Australian and Canadian school system are better in a lot of ways, I guess. We we get yeah. we get world history. You guys just get American history. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, it was fun. Not much to talk about. Just you know, it, was, it felt, felt it was over very quick. Yeah, yeah. I, again, it was just all action. Yeah, which is nothing wrong with that, considering we had nah. such a buildup. Uh, what else did we have after that? What else did you want to talk about? Uh, we had the next Black Label book. Yes, it's it's, which is it's not a Superman book. Year One. It's not a Batman book, but it's written by one of the most famous Batman writers. Yeah, I actually got. I'm, I'm holding up my physical copy at the moment. Nice. Um, I bought the physical copy. I'm kind of disappointed though because where I bought it from didn't have any of the John Romita Jr. colors. Ah. They had the Frank Miller colors. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> so it's like a shitty cover. Yeah, Frank. There's a reason he doesn't draw much anymore. Yeah, but no, the the book. I am kind of surprised by it. It's here's the thing. I can admit that it was not my cup of tea, but I can also admit it's the best thing Frank Miller has written in a long time. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I went into it thinking, oh my god, what is he gonna, like, because I kept hearing stuff about, like, like alleged gang rape and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, what oh no, what's, what's he doing? And then, like, I read it, I'm like, oh, this is actually quite, like, heartwarming in a way, like, it it's it's actually Superman. I, I wouldn't say heartwarming. It's definitely workmanlike. It's a very workmanlike oh. Superman origin oh, story. Yeah. Which oh, I, yeah, blue-collar Superman. Which I think is what also turned a lot of people off, where it's like, oh, yeah, Elseworld, new imprint, you can do whatever you want. Oh, you're just really just telling the story we all know the way we know it, huh, with very few deviations until the very end. Oh, yeah, next issue is going to be – I think the next two issues are going to be, like, the big deviation. Which, to me, I'm like, man, I wish you started here at the end, honestly. <laughs> it is It is surprising that like, – yeah, I thought, like, the this issue would be um, – because I remember seeing, like, art of, like, him in, like, uh, like, basic combat training and stuff. And I thought, like, okay, we're going to get, like, the origin of him coming to Earth and then a couple of pages of, like, him through school and then the rest is just going to be him in the Navy yeah. and stuff like that. But, no, it was, like, all about his, like, school life and how he – like joined a group of weirdos and was like telling them how to like protect themselves from the bullies and helping them deal with the bullies and stuff, which is good stuff. But yeah, it's not really new. Let's talk about those bullies for a second and how they are like, they're basically <laughs> Stephen King bullies. They're the most over the top, small town evil. They go from beating up kids because they're different to uh what is it uh graffitiing buses beating up their younger siblings and then when superman yeah. tries to stop them beats them up even harder when he's not around before eventually graduating to attempted gang rape and it's like holy shit and, and the parents yeah. can't stop them and the teachers can't stop them because they're just so <laughs> evil no one can stop these kids see in in the universe this book takes place in which is the dark knight universe um and the amount of times i've had to tell people that um that kind of fits like that, that, you know, as like, they're, they're like super mutants. They're like over the top at everything kind of fits as well as it kind of fits in with like, like the language and stuff they use in the book. It fits in with what Morrison said. He was going to base the book mainly on, which is the Fleischer cartoons of the 1940s. So like 1940s ish speak, it fits with it. it, it it's, it's jarring as hell. Yeah, but it fits. It's funny, like, to try and place the time, because no one has cell phones, no one talks about the internet yeah, or anything, yeah. but it, like, looks 
modern. Like, I can understand wanting to make it kind of like a book out of time, and also if it is connected to the other Millerverse books, which he always kind of does that anyway, they would need to do that. It's it's funny. that There's a bit when the bullies are trying to talk tough, and they're like, you know, oh, long leg Lana. I'm like, okay, so you're so you're literally just the mutant gang now. You're moments away from chicken leg, ligand leg, slice a dicer. I wouldn't even be surprised if somehow, like these, these are like the proto uh, super mutants. Like these, these are the ones that that birth the the super mutants and stuff like that. Superman <laughs> kicks them away to Gotham City, and they're like, "Hey, let's wear visors <laughs> and shave our heads." Yeah, 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 and get weird, like yeah, Cyclops visors and stuff. <laughs> That's a great idea. Also, call me the mutant leader now. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. Obviously, of course, everyone's talking about the big attempted gang rape scene. It's here's the thing: I thought it was going to be much worse, and then I'm reminded, wait a minute. Yeah. But then I'm reminded, wait a minute. They, after the big Batman's dick freak out, a bunch of these books got you know delayed and pushed back. Oh my god, it was probably worse at one point. Oh yeah, there was, there's probably a page out there, like page missing from that. But yeah, I I, I initially thought it was going to be a lot worse than what it was, but and was pleasantly surprised it wasn't as worse as that <laughs> what bothers me and what i do think is bad is what happens directly after that where they're like oh you know what what began the clark uh lana romance oh when he saved her from almost being violently sexually assaulted then she starts swooning instantly i'm like oh oh frank we can tell you're 62 right now can't we oh we we don't yeah. do that anymore in literature and in writing anymore even <laughs> even game of thrones dunks on that kind of trope and game of thrones has a lot of problems when it comes to sexual violence against women and even they know that's wrong the the yeah the the way that it was written was like i said it's like stuff that you see in like the 1940s or like something like that it, i would um, not be surprised if we found out that frank miller has actually been sitting on this book for years well, see, I, I wouldn't talk about that because so I think he has been sitting on it for years. And I think like this wasn't originally meant to be a black label book or some special book. I think this was actually meant to be like when they rebooted the universe. This was this is just me being like a tinfoil hat, you know, frog, gay, you know, stuff like that conspiracy theorist this was actually meant to be like a reboot of the main universe superman it you know you're probably not wrong it definitely feels like that because there's outside that one kind of risque scene that we already talked about and one racial slur later which is said by a bully but again mm -hmm. it's still it's the point where it's like that's that's really all you're really doing to push the label here on black label i yeah i expected more insanity from you frank miller honestly <laughs> yeah yeah there's nothing really in the book that promotes it as a black label book like yeah. they could have just just released it how they released um deceased yeah and it would be exactly and it would be in a better format it this is this is the only other black label book uh black last night on earth wasn't like this this is the only black label book other than batman damn that's Where in that weird premium font and it's so fucking annoying to do reviews videos on <laughs> Uh, again, if, if we may share with you all some first-world YouTuber problems, uh, <laughs> normally Matt and I, to help save time, we format our editing programs to, you know, meet the dimensions of your average comic page. When we do a Black Label book, completely throw all that shit out the window and we have to redo everything. It takes us way longer. And then tag yeah. on top of that the fact that they're like 60 pages, so the video is longer and you have to work harder on it. Yeah, my video was like 13 minutes long or something. Mine was, mine was 10, so very close. 
yeah, it, it's absolutely ridiculous that they, they chose this format. I guess it's because, like, as they say, it's like prestige format. I'm like, what's really prestige about it? This very little. Again, it fe- the worst thing I can say about this, outside, you know, the objectionable shit with Lana, which was probably worse, but actually wasn't, so I guess that's a weird... I don't fucking know. But yeah, it's the fact that it really does feel like every other Superman origin story you've ever heard. In fact, they touch on things here that I know damn well they did better in other things. Like, there's a moment there where Superman is playing football, and he uses his powers when he shouldn't, and I couldn't help but think of Superman Earth 1, and I'm like, well, that was a huge (laughs) sticking point in that book and a few other books where it's like, well, is it cheating if he uses his powers to do this? Is that setting the right example to do these things? Well, see, that's the problem. Like, in that scene, there's, like... There's like a panel where like Mara Park and I like looking at each other like they're not impressed with it and everything. So I thought like we're going to get a panel after that where they're like talking to him like, hey, you can't go, you know, showboating and all that stuff because people found out how to do this. They kind of did that later down the line, but it was so much later that that scene didn't make any sense anymore. Yeah, it's it's the it's the weirdest thing. It is. This is a super mixed bag. This book again. I didn't think it was particularly good. I thought it only really came alive at the end with the whole, you know, Superman potentially joining the Navy thing, which, again, they don't talk about that near as much as they should, where it's like, whoa, 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 this dude who is unto a god joining a nation's military? How is, A, that fair? B, what's going to be happening when, you know, when he's asked to kill? What if he doesn't like some of the orders they're giving him? You know, what's just all these what's? And I'm hoping they do explore that. I, I hope so too, because this this is meant to be the Superman we see in like Dark Knight Returns, who's like a total like government stooge, like yeah. a Reagan era like spy basically. Yeah. And like I want to see him turn into that. Like how does because at the moment like how does this kid turn into that? Yeah. How w- w- will Reagan show up? Will the Gipper be a character in this? Hey, hey, Clark, <laughs> hey Clark, I really liked what you did out there. You want to share a cheeseburger with Reagan? <laughs> <laughs> I sure do, sir. Yeah, that's nice. I'm an actor. It, it's going to be very interesting. I'm, I am very happy as well that, like, because I was worried that, like, Miller would put his, like, politics into the book through Mara and Pa Kent, like what they right. teach Clark, but they never did. No, he's he's shockingly reserved here. I imagine yeah. we'll see that when we get to the army a little bit. But also, too, here's the thing with Frank Miller's politics. They're hard to place these days, actually. Like, obviously, after Holy Terror, it's like, okay, I see what you believe. And then you, like, read, like, Dark Knight, The Master Race, and it's like, okay, you still believe that, but you also believe other stuff now because like you're also anti-police and you're also anti-internet and you're like you're you're anti you kind of pick and choose stuff to make (laughs) up your political beliefs you don't you don't just uh uh you know follow one particular thing it's it's hard to place crazy uncle frank's craziness these days it is it is it as well uh he's probably got like someone looking over his shoulder and like in this book i'm pretty sure it's probably john ramita jr like just keeping an eyes like like you know not right in that holy superman are you are you frank he's he's not killing prostitutes is he (laughs) can we talk about that too john ramita i usually love his art and i'm a big defender of john ramita jr's art i think he does violence really well boy i see why he doesn't draw a lot of children all of his children have a bad case of adult (laughs) face i they, they they certainly do. I do appreciate that the book actually looked completed. Mm. Like, like it looked like he spent some time on us, whereas if he was on, like, a weekly book or, like, a monthly book, it doesn't – like, his art looks really rushed, and in, especially in, like, how people, like, move all the faces and stuff, whereas here it looks like there was actually some – 
thought put into how the human body looks, except for children's heads. Yeah. They, uh, they, all, <laughs> they all had, he had big head mode engaged. They, they all look like Cupid dolls. They all look like me with my <laughs> giant ass head. Maybe, maybe that's his thing. It's just like, oh, this, this is what like makes them cute. Like, like they're like pop vinyls. They're uh, cute. They, the kids love the pop vinyls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll love this too. All right. It's, it's, a, it's a bold choice, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, it's it's a weird choice, though, but yeah, it's not <laughs> as bad as it could be. Yeah, well, th- this is only issue one, though. You could, you could go off the rails in the next two issues. It fits, and, like, here's the thing, like, you know, one issue's enough, 60 pages, that's too much. It's not all that interesting. I'm not going to come back. Okay, maybe I'll come back for Superman in the Navy, if only so I can make a joke where it's like, you know, a man of Navy SEAL. <laughs> <laughs> or some shit like that, just so I can make a stupid joke. I'm pretty sure someone said that in my in one of my comments, and Mine I think too. they meant to say Ma- Man of Steel, yeah. but they said Man of Steel. I'm like, oh, oh, that if you meant that, that is hilarious. That's pretty <laughs> fucking funny, actually. Also, look, I just want to do it so I can just endlessly quote the Village People song, where it's like, and so Clark Kent joined the Navy to defend the motherland in the Navy, in the Navy. <laughs> Come on and enlist in the Navy, in the Navy. <laughs> hey, look, I can I can say that. I met the cowboy from the village people one time. <laughs> who still dresses like a cowboy, but like like a modern cowboy. Like he's updated the costume. <laughs> oh, okay. But it's like, look, obviously I'm going to walk around as a cowboy for every speaking engagement I do, but I'm not going to look stupid while I'm dressed as a cowboy. <laughs> give, me, give me some respect. I mean, come on. <laughs> Like, I respect you, cowboy from the village people. <laughs> it was London Comic Con, actually. He, uh, him, I think I forget what the other guy was. If it was the construction worker or what it was, but I, they, uh, they had the table across from me. That's so strange that they would be going to Comic Cons. That's so weird. I mean, they've basically been playing dress up and being superheroes for years. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That is very true. And the power of having one hit wonder, Matt. All you need is one hit, and you can just ride the success of that forever. <laughs> That's what I want, Matt. Just one hit for this show that we can ride forever. <laughs> like the guy who's doing it with that breathtaking line that oh, got yeah. set to win. Oh, yeah, that guy's milking it hard. Respect, but not, but also respect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't talk too much shit about you, because if that was me, I'd totally do it. <laughs> I, I, I would be the Bart Simpson. I didn't do it. I didn't do it, boy. I would just do it until you all hated it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was Superman Year One, a mixed bag. Yeah. Uh, what else did we want to talk about? Uh, uh, this was another short one and another Marvel one. Uh, Guardians uh, wrapped up uh, its first arc this week. It certainly did. Yeah, another mostly action-packed one until the very end where they actually started wrapping up quite a few hanging story and plot threads from yeah. Infinity Wars, which I appreciated. Yeah, yeah, the series that finished months ago that apparently apparently as well they had that... Um, I, I stopped reading it because it was just... It was good, but it was just so like tedious and there's that, you know, that Wolverine Infinity Watch. I'm like, I don't care about this. Neither like It should I. be cool, but I don't care. Um, but yeah, it, it's an intriguing that they're still wrapping stuff up from this series. It's true, and that Donny Cates does a really good job writing stuff that other people started writing up. Basically, the big takeaway is, you know, uh, hey, Gamora, 
you know, I, I did everything to try and protect you when they all thought you were corrupted by Thanos' influence. Are you are you really going to kill your Uncle Eros when he was manipulated like everyone thought you were? And she's like, yep. Yeah, yep, stab. <laughs> yep, stab. He would want it this way. And Star-Lord's like, okay, I mean, I guess. Kind of kind of makes you a bit of a hypocrite, but all right. Yeah, and in doing so, it produces an undercooked Thanos. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I got a good laugh at it because it reminded me of that scene from that movie Ted where they put his stuffing back in and he yeah. acts like retarded because they put, he put it in wrong because he's like slurring his words and everything. He, he looks like he's got a little Parkinson's there. No, I am yeah. the mad titan. And like he's not, he's not quite purple. It's not all there yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, can this be Thanos going ahead? Yeah, can this just be... <laughs> just a dumb Thanos? I, I would actually like that, you know, just really dumb Thanos. <laughs> like, like he still tries to do all the same evil plans, but they're really dumb. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, the heroes, like, feel sorry for them, like, hey, we'll fight him. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is kind of our fault. I will gather the Infinity Stones. And what he's going to do, just shoves them up his nose. Oh, no, they don't go there. Than oh. Yeah, no, Thanos, no. Oh, man, he should he should be in a home, this guy. Just, just, just tedious. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's our fault, but seriously. I, I like, you know, obviously because he's only half a Thanos, he's not nearly as strong, so Beta Ray Bill kills him in one hit. <laughs> Then, yeah, yeah, I like that as well. I thought that was pretty cool. Then they seek to imply that they basically destroy, if not all of nowhere, a huge chunk of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, huge chunk. So again, you know, shaking up the status quo, you're not going to be seeing no more anymore heading into the future. Mm -hmm. Or at least they're going to have to rebuild it. And then, you know, we have the whole, oh, you know, we did pretty good as a team. Who's going to stick around on this new Guardians team? And uh, Gladiator and Nova fuck off. They're like, no, we want to get our own books at some point. <laughs> can't be members on this team and get our own books <laughs> but they keep beta ray bill they keep uh file yep. and moon dragon from the other universe mm -hmm. which i wonder if they're gonna yep. bring that up the fact that they're technically not from here <laughs> yeah yeah they haven't brought that up i i remember when that came out in infinity was that was like a really cool idea with them coming over to this universe and getting stuck here so yeah i imagine that's got to be an arc with them like wanting to go home or something yeah. Cosmic Ghost Rider they don't get to keep around because Cosmic Ghost Rider right. gets killed as they think he's a traitor. But don't worry, he's technically already dead, so he just goes to hell and gets to meet the original Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah the, uh, Johnny Blaze, who's the king of hell at the moment. Still, even even though despite the fact Mephisto keeps showing up in a bunch of other books doing devilish business. And Johnny Blaze is the real king and he just lets this guy think he's, you know, he's got nothing else. Just, What's Mephisto got if he doesn't have that? If he just lets him think he's running things and they're like, hey, you want to see what happened next year? Go read Avengers in the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that arc. That looks really cool. I feel that was Jason Aaron be like, hey, Donnie, pass me the ball. Pass me Cosmic Ghost Rider. I want to do a thing. <laughs> yeah, I want to use this really awesome character. All right, Jason, go long. <laughs> <laughs> I killed him and sent him to hell, but it's fine because he's quasi-immortal. <laughs> and then the big thing being like, all right, we have a brand new team going into the future, but where's Rocket Raccoon? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm really like glad that they they like kind of touched on it in that last issue before the annual, where they like went to his planet. You never saw him. You only saw like little glimpses of his like hermit house. Uh, and then yeah, apparently they're going to talk about it now, and I'm interested to find out. Same, they, keep, they seem to be playing very coy. Is he dead? Did he betray the team? Did he retire? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. I think Rocket it, is... Very... Go no, ahead. 
I said, I think Rocket is such a consummate moneymaker, especially in the movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would kill him off. They might not have him on the team, but I don't think they'd kill him off. I, if I had to guess, I'm going to say he like started a, uh, a, a new happy uh, suburban life with his girlfriend, who is an otter. Yeah, they would have done something like that, and then something's going to happen to force him to come back to the team. She's going to die or something. Especially because they uh, were implying this week via the trade there that uh, Marvel might be looking at Lady Gaga to play Lila the Space Otter. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Which would be kind of hilarious, but also very much on brand for Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah. The real question, though, is who gets to play the third part of that love triangle, Black Jack (laughs) O'Hare? And Jack Black is Jack Black O'Hare. <laughs> Bradley Coop can just play that role as well. <laughs> oh, that would be funny because he's just playing evil Rocket. I'd, I'd be okay yeah. with that. Just turns it up to 11. Yeah. Because let's face it, Black Jack O'Hare would make a perfect, if not full villain for the Guardians, at least a good, like, henchman, taser face, minor villain. Yeah, do a full villain. So you'd be like, hey, they're, they're, they're fighting this, this, like, rabbit. Like an actual rabbit. That, that's a great reveal. Like, they take off the mask, and it's like, oh, who was behind all of this? Ah, it's Black Jack O'Hare. It's another talking animal. <laughs> yeah, and then Thor sees him and calls him a raccoon and not a rabbit. <laughs> that would be funny. It's like, oh, rabbit. Really, dude? Really? <laughs> Come on. That's right, because our third Guardians movie, we're going to frickin' Thor in it. <laughs> we're going full as Guardians. But, uh, yeah, this Guardians of the Galaxy book was good. Not a hell of a lot to talk about, just a satisfying conclusion to the arc. Yeah, yeah, it was, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What uh, What else did you have? I had two more. We had Justice League issue 26. Indeed we did. We did have some Justice League. Yeah, so this is like the, the aftermath of Lex Luthor's offer to the world. Uh, we got John Jones doing his detective thing and okay. trying to hunt down hunt down the, the, the fabled man in a cloak who's giving people, like, things they want, everything they've wanted. He's basically being evil Willy Wonka and being like, here's your golden yeah. ticket for mayhem. Basically, yeah. And uh, while he's doing that, he's he's kind of gone rogue uh, since the, the Justice League need him, but he won't reply to any of their communications or anything. He's busy doing this. Uh, while that's going on, Superman and the rest of the Justice League go to the Hall, Hall of Heroes or House of Heroes. House of Heroes. Uh, to meet with uh, all of the multiverses versions of the Justice League, including Earth 2. Earth 2 was in there. I love that they were there. I'm like, thank you, someone, for remembering these characters exist. (laughs) Thank you, James Tynan. (laughs) That was was a really nice touch. We get so many there. We get, like, Batman Beyond, but not, like, the Batman Beyond that's going on now. Like, clearly the Batman Beyond from the cartoon and, like, uh, so many great... The Vampire Universe, the Cowboy Universe. Yeah, Kingdom Come Universe, all those really good stuff. They're all there, all all the warriors. Yeah, and the Prime Universe Justice League basically explain what's been going on in the last couple of issues to them uh, and what's and the universe is like rotting and falling to doom uh and it's happening to the multiverse um so what the other universes can do to help is try and locate the monitor and anti-monitor who exists uh, somewhere in the multiverse yeah they're like lost in the multiverse or they're hiding or something so one that's really cool is because that means we're probably going to get more multiversal like teams as well in this I'm and i I'm fine by that. I also like the line where it's like, oh, shit, we're going to get all these teams, like, teaming up. This is going to be awesome. And then, like, Superman says, like, I know you guys can't help us out because your universes are going through similar things. I'm like, oh, god damn it. 
I, I get it. Show it. Show it. Give I, us an Earth 2 book. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with the tie-in, but I do appreciate them being like, look, you know what? He, They, they got to handle their own shit. The destruction of the Source Wall affected mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We fucked up. <laughs> yeah, we are uh, bad, everyone. Sorry about that. Gotta, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get it sorted. It's all good. Got to give us a mulligan on this one. <laughs> uh, and while they're doing that, we've got uh, Kendra and Mero back at the, the Hall of Justice training up, like, all the young heroes and uh, trying to locate the Legion of Doom in their universe or in other dimensions. All this really cool stuff is sort of starting to come together. It was nice to get some little side stories here. It's like, and here's the room where we put all the super scientists, and here's the room where we put all the detectives, and here's Hawkman and Black Canary beating the shit out of the shitty Teen Titans to make them tougher. Yeah. What I found really weird was that Kendra didn't, like, talk with Hawkman. I'm like, you two really should, like, converse. Like, Hawkman's been through a lot in his solo books, so Um, you you should should probably talk. It is funny that they're in the same room and it's just like nope, no, Taki, no, Taki at all. Yeah, yeah, so uh, and then, yeah, Manhunter fight, like, locates like, this house that this this man in the cloak went to, and we obviously know it as the Luther house, and we know that the man in the cloak is Lex Luther, and John's kind of finds that out and he knows Luther is in the house because he can sense something, but he doesn't know who it is. Uh, and he finds out who it is and it's Lionel Luther who's somehow still alive. Yes, which is shocking too, especially because we now know, given the retconned history of Lex and uh, John, that mm-hmm. they, uh, they're they all kind of tied together by Lionel Luther. And, you know, he was made to forget and had his mind wiped and everything, but he seemingly has it back now. Yeah, he knows who Manhunter is because obviously when he, when Manhunter was just a child, he was taken to Earth by Lionel. So they have a history. So yeah, and they're gonna fight, I guess. He basically says, "I created you." Yeah, looking forward to that next issue. I wonder if James Tynan's going to deal with that stuff, or whether Scott Snyder's going to deal with that. I, I forget that Tynan comes in and writes it, and that, that they switch back and forth, which is probably the best thing for it, and why the book stays so fresh and so consistent. That- that, I went through the whole book without realizing it was James Tun, and that's how well he he's able to like compliment Scott Snyder's stuff and vice versa. I I should just say the writing team now, so I'm never wrong. Yeah, like, I keep being wrong. <laughs> yeah, t- who's writing this one? I can't I can't remember because it's all so good. I'm tired of being wrong, but yeah, Justice League continues to be one of the most consistently great books at DC. One of the last few consistently great books in this era, sadly. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, that uh, that that one was tops. That one was good. Uh, I had Iron Man this week. This is the finale of Gail Simone's little War of Realms two pack. I haven't read this issue. I've read the the, the first Gail Simone one though. Uh, this one continues to be solid. She finds a lot of really great material out of. Hey, what if what if Iron Man fought a Norse dragon? Yeah, awesome. It's great, too, because she pl- uh, plays upon this whole Tolkien-y thing where it's like the dragon's not just a dragon. The dragon is incredibly greedy. Okay, and so he's Smaug. He's Smaug, and he hates Tony because he's so rich, and Malchus like, oh, well, he's a king of men, a man of iron with more gold than anyone else in all the realms, and the dragon's like, fuck that guy. <laughs> I 
hate his guts. And then, like, you know, when he can't beat Iron Man, he goes to the stock exchange. And it's like, I hear there is more wealth here than in all the multiverse. And a hobo guy's like, yeah, man, they got, like, trillions of dollars there. I used to be a day trader before I got hooked on the smack. <laughs> and Saturnine the Dragon's like, give me your money. It's like, dude, it's all in, like, stocks and bonds and shit. There's no gold, There's no gold behind our money, man. It's not like Liquid. He's like, you have anchored Saturang. <laughs> Give me, give me all your wealth, and you know Tony. His, uh, he's he's infected now with like a magic curse, which is like turning his armor into like a King Arthur suit of armor. Yeah, I, I saw like on the end of that, like his suit was becoming infected with like magic. The idea being that the dragon is such a powerful eldritch creature that even just being around it affects technology. Cool, cool. And you think, like, ooh, is Tony going to have to master magic to, you know, defeat it? He tries, and then when he's like, this is stupid, this is bullshit, he just brings out his Mark I armor. <laughs> That's awesome. He's like, this is this is my most analog armor. It doesn't actually connect to the internet, so I can't get your stupid magic virus. <laughs> That's cool. Let's just fight with our fists, and then he does, and then he wins. And I'm like, That's pretty slick. Nice. And because it's Gail Simone, too, you know, she draws all these great parallels between Tony and the dragon and Tony wanting to drink again. And he's like, you know, basically, I, I have my own dragon sickness. I have my own curse that I'm dealing with. And the fact is, this dragon kind of had my number on a bunch of things. <laughs> and I need to try and work better. The worst thing about this series is that it's done in two. I'm like, oh, you could easily have kept telling this story. Yeah, I, I thought she was going to take the book for a little bit longer than that. This than just like a war, like... So why couldn't Dan Slott do that? It just the two, or Jim Zub, because Jim Zub co-writes. Yeah. Well, probably because Dan Slott had Fantastic Four and Jim Zub had Champions that already had their own tie-ins that had to be dealt with, I'm sure. Yeah, well, well the tie-in for um, the, the Fantastic Four one wasn't really anything. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I actually put the review up of that read. It's just like, it's like the latter half of the issue. The first half is just like them getting acclimated to Yancey Street and having a big party and then like Malekith's forces attack and they're attacking Yancey Street because of the signal booster thing on the roof of the Fantastic Four building. They want to shut that down because of the big media blackout that Roxxon have put on. Um, so yeah, they, they end up just destroying, the Fantastic Four destroy the tower and the street's just like left alone. Hmm. I mean, I'm not going to complain. I was happy to read a Gail Simone book again, and she's really yeah. good on this. I hope this leads to more Marvel work for her. I know she had Domino and Hot Shots for a little bit, which mm -hmm. I sadly had to drop off on, not because I didn't like it, but just because uh, I had too much to read. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like, I like that first issue she did. She, she is a really cool voice for Tony Stark. Very much so. And also, too, yeah. Completely took what Zub and Slot were doing and ran with it, and had it made sense and really tied it into the events of War of Realms. And I'm like, this, this is how you write a good tie-in. Yeah. Actually, feel like the story continue, not stop, so we can do Viking stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was uh, that was a solid one. I like that one. Cool. I had one more issue. Right on. I had Star Wars issue 67, which is oh, the yeah. ending of Kieran Gillen's run on the book. Hot damn. Yes, and it, it, this this last run like encompassed everything he's done in this book, as well as everything he's done in that Darth Vader book he rewrote. That's right, I forgot um, about that. Because um, we're back on show tour and the planet he, he invented for um, the Darth Vader run. Uh, the, the, the rebels are trying to blow it up and all that sort of stuff. Uh, they bring the partisans, which saw Guerrero's people from Rogue One. Mm, that's right. um, the, the and rebels they, who are more hardcore rebels. 
yeah, and they show how hardcore they are, whereas, whereas Leia just wanted to destroy the planet a little bit and kind of ruin its economic value to the Empire. They're like, fuck that, we're going to blow up the whole planet for what they did to Jeddah. Damn, saw. And, um, yeah, his, his, these guys try to do that, and Leia has to try and convince them not to, and she, she manages to do that by saying, like, doing this makes you know better than the Empire. Um, and they, they agree with that, and... They don't end up blowing it up. They end up just like blowing up the, the part they were meant to. So the planet's like basically worthless now to the Empire. Um, last issue, uh, Queen Trias, the character invented for the Darth Vader book, she ended ended up getting killed by Leia uh, in a way that Leia didn't want to kill her but had to. And yeah, this issue just ends with them blowing up the the spike thing and then leaving the planet. And they they immediately get another mission, which is they have to find a new rebel base. And they get given a list of planets, and Hoth is one of those planets. Of course it is. And uh, yeah, so going into Greg Greg Pack's run, they have to go and look for planets. Basically, all these different planets they have to go to and find one that's a suitable base. It's like house hunting Star Wars style. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just like, oh, no, this one, this one's not good. We've got a big living room, and oh, this Hoth one, it's nice and cold. Now that's a parody there, where it's like you know, okay, so <laughs> all right, so, so we have a group of plucky young space rebels who are looking for a place to run their operation. <laughs> Ooh, but they have a lot of demands. It needs a hyperport. Oh, it needs a refresher by the exit. Oh, it needs you know, uh, you know, it, it, it needs a good access to kyber crystals there. Oh, that's going to be rough. Ooh, it also needs to be in a good school system. Can we find it? We'll find out. <laughs> This is exactly that's exactly what it's probably going to be like. But the the one thing I really liked about this issue there's this moment between Han and like the, the Benthic, the leader of the um the partisans, and those two have had a run in before because she was part of Enfys Nest's Cloud Rider gang from Solo. Mm, um, so right. she was in she was in the Solo film, nice um, and Han. And Han knew knew that and said, like, you were with these people who were actually trying to set up the rebellion and be, do something good. Like, what happened? Like, why are you, like, like a radical now? And, and the woman's answer is just like the galaxy changed, so I did as well. Nice. Story. And Han's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe that. Like, people can change and still be the same and you can be whatever you want to be and that sort like of stuff. Me. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's nice of Han doing that sort of stuff when he had to have that exact same conversation with other people. Yeah, that is nice. That is a cool touch. Yeah, but it was a good comic. I'm looking forward to what uh, Greg Pak's doing and the art's finally going to get good because it's Phil Noto doing oh, the art. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, man, I gotta get. You, you always tell me all these cool Star Wars stories. I'm like, man, that sounds good. That sounds like something I'd like to read. I should read that. They're they're all so good. I caught up on Doctor Afer as well, and at the moment she's like testing like a sniper rifle that works on lightsaber tech that shoots like sniper like 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 lightsaber bolts in their plant, and the uh, the uh, Imperials are trying to get it while the rebels are trying to make it into a super weapon to snipe emperor palpatine on coruscant and everything and I'm like oh that's so cool i like that book is still going strong i wonder if they ever plan to turn that into anything because that sounds like that could be a disney plus show like right away oh yeah i want a disney plus she so deserves it she's such a cool character because she's she's so likable but at the same time she's such a shitty person would, uh, would you say she's probably the biggest success as far as it comes to, like, new Disney-era characters that they've created? I would say so, yeah, yeah. Probably between, like, her and, like, like Kanan. Yeah, Kanan's really good, too. Yeah, those, those are two strong ones for new characters yeah. that they created. Yeah, they're two of the best ones because they've had so much done with them. Indeed, they have. 
Uh, so yeah, is that everything, Matt, for this week? Is that everything we've done? Is that everything logged? That is everything. Well, alrighty then. So we'll start bringing the show to a close then. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for watching and listening. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, favorite, do all that social media jazz. Comment down in the comments section. We always love to hear from our fans, and more importantly, helps drive engagement too. So you win, I win, everybody wins. Uh, yeah. Next week, uh, we will be doing a commentary. It will be Spider-Man related. Ah, fuck it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it a secret. Mark. We're going to do Into the Spider-Verse next week, everyone. It makes, <laughs> it makes perfect sense because I'm going away, so it's good to log a nice commentary in there. Into the Spider-Verse is coming to Netflix next week as well. Ooh. So the timing couldn't be better. And also, hey, it's a week before Far From Home, so there you go. You get your Spider-Man content all in there. It's going to be a ton of fun. Join me and Matt. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah, and at the same time, you'll probably be able to check out my Far From Home review because I think I'm going to be seeing it a couple of hours before we actually record our commentary. Good shit. Hey, should we try and do that live over Twitch or something? Because obviously I have a new, better, stronger computer. Do you think uh, Do you think that's something we could try over Twitch, a watch-along with the fans? We could, we could give that a try. We could give it a little shot, Ski, see how that goes. I, I, yeah. I, I, I worry about too much volume in the background, you know, maybe getting us caught or whatever, but people do it. I think it should be okay. Yeah, you should just, like, turn the subtitles on. You're all good. Yeah, that means you could actually watch the movie with us. You could be part of the fun. You can be in the comments section. Matt and I will be lurking there, talking to you, talking to us, talking to everybody. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Be a, be a good, good time. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing that next week because I'm unsure about the show the following week because, obviously, I'm going away and I'm going to be gone on a Sunday, so we're not going to be able to record. But hopefully, if we don't do a show, then I will try and rush my actual con video so that can be up at Wednesday at 8 so everyone can watch it. Cool. And I'll actually have a panel, too, so maybe I'll put the panel up as well and people can watch that in place of a podcast. Sounds good. So, yeah, there you go, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, if you're a patron, you get to listen to this first before anyone else. You can listen to it for as little as a dollar a month. And, oh, crap, I'm glad I remembered. Uh, Colin Shepard, who is our newest $10 patron, wanted me to give him a shout-out. And that's just the sort of, uh, sort of thing you can do when you're a patron. What the fuck happened to my voice? There? <laughs> That's, that is – it's like tongue-tie, but the weirdest kind of tongue-tying happened. <laughs> That's, you see? <laughs> I became Paul Lynn for a second. <laughs> yeah. Ah, give me some of those chocodiles. <laughs> but yes, that's just the sort of thing you can do when you become a patron. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, all the other patrons. You help keep the lights on here. You help keep the show in an RSS feed where people can download it over on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Much, much appreciated. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, thank you, Colin. Yes, anything else to say, Matt? Anything else to promote? Anything else? Uh, not really. I just put up a special uh, special issue uh, part of my Superman and Media video focusing on Krypton, since that's now returned for Season 2. Uh, so you can go check that out on my channel. Indeed it has. It has Lobo in it. And it is awesome. Well, alrighty then. So on that note, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We will be back again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.